Are you a busy professional entrepreneur or just someone who likes to get stuff done? Then this podcast is for you. I'm joined by these two fine gentlemen and master coaches, James and Tyrone. And we're gonna be unpacking how to fit training, nutrition, eating healthy into a busy schedule to get maximal results. Optimize your time while optimizing your results. Welcome gentlemen to the show. Both of you, and as have I, have become really known for, around here at least, for getting people amazing results in who are very busy, have very busy schedules in very time efficient and effective ways. James, I know you have one client particularly who comes to mind that has lost about 15 kilos. I think it was about over 12 months or so, but the most impressive thing is that their schedule is unbelievable in many ways and they've kept it off. Do you want to kick us off with, I suppose, you know, these busy types of folks, strategies that you've implemented over the years to help them have success? Yeah, for sure. I think firstly, it's a very fitting topic that we're going we're gonna to discuss today because it's a large percentage of the audience of people that we train here at Enterprise. And like you said, me and Tyrone have been doing this for quite a substantial amount of time now. And we've seen lots of similarities with these types of people. I think probably the first thing that I identify with these types of individuals is making sure that they schedule the time in for their training first and foremost. And what I mean by that is a lot of these people sometimes have other people running their schedules for them. So it might be a PA who's putting appointments in. Now, what I've found in the past is if the appointments for their training isn't booked in their schedule, then it's very easy for their PA or even themselves sometimes to book over that and not put the value on that time. However, in most instances, when they actually schedule the time in, it makes them value that time more and they respect that obviously they are going to come here and they're going to train at that specific time with their coach. I think that's part of it as well. It's just holding that other bit of accountability for them you know, from our perspective as well. So us keeping them accountable, whether it be, you know, even if they're going out for dinner, it's okay. Um, you know, I've got a couple of guys that eat out constantly and it's that, okay, where are you going? Let's look at the menu and just doing that constantly with them and then going, this is what you can do. This is what, you, this is what you've got to choose from. And that's the same thing as, you know, keeping them accountable for bring him into training. If you can get those sort of things nailed down where the training just becomes a habit and they want to, don't want to miss it, then the other things really start to fall in place a lot easier. One of the most intense examples I remember, you had a client who didn't own, I think, any anything in terms of kitchen and didn't have, what I had a bottle of milk in the fridge, I think was the only thing. Not there. even that. Not even a bottle. They didn't buy groceries. <laughs> they didn't buy groceries. Didn't cook a single meal for themselves. And very busy, very successful in what they do. But obviously they, their habits, they had put on a lot of weight and they were quite unhealthy when they came to see us. And I think they lost, what, 15 more kilos? Yeah, a lot more, 25. 25 kilos. Can you talk and run us through? So you get a client, because this is the most extreme example I can think of, because this guy's schedule was unbelievable. And to the point where he doesn't make his own food at all. How do you get a guy like that? Because there's plenty of guys who are watching this and people who are watching this going, I'm too busy and I eat every meal out. But yeah, we have a guy who's eating every meal, literally every meal out, not even breakfast, not even pouring you know, a cereal. How did you manage a guy like that and get him to lose 25 kilos? I think firstly, from a nutrition perspective, it posed this challenge as right. He had a phobia of food in the house, um, which was obviously a pretty, a pretty big challenge in the weight loss journey. But the first place we focused was on, okay, where are you currently eating? Because generally he'd order things out or he'd go to a cafe or he'd go to a restaurant for all of his meals. So we addressed that firstly and started to improve food choices that he was making to make sure that he wasn't over consuming a lot of calories and get that in check first. 
And then we started putting him onto meal prep companies because although he had a phobia of food in the house, he was happy to have meals in the fridge and then be able to just throw out that packaging when he was done with that meal. Let's just back up on that for a sec. So you said you improved his meals out. So can you give us a contrast of what he was doing when he started with you and started here compared to like what you changed it to? Was he going out and eating? I don't know. What was he going out and eating for breakfast? Yeah, for sure. So I think breakfast aside, if we look at dinner's probably an easier example, right? Like he'd go, he'd get a starter, he'd get a main, he'd maybe get a dessert, he'd have a couple of glasses of wine. What was the starter? anything yeah anything right whatever whatever he felt like at the time so the, it wasn't necessarily the same thing all the time but he enjoyed going to nice restaurants and having those meals so i think the biggest thing with him and a big thing with a lot of clients is just creating that awareness around okay what's in the foods that you're eating like how many calories is going to be in a meal where you have a starter a main potentially a dessert, a couple now, of glasses. Now, I'm guessing a guy like this isn't getting out the scales and going to say, excuse me, waiter, is that piece of salmon 180 grams or 250 you grams? Mean you didn't give him macros? You can't give macros to everybody? <laughs> you can't give macros Not to everybody wants to use chronometer in my fitness. Yeah, oh, I don't geez. think these busy professionals want to use... I'm done, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't think it's macros. I don't think the spreadsheet... So he's obviously not weighing food, right? No, he wasn't getting his Excel spreadsheet out on the on the counter, that's for <laughs> he sure. Didn't, he, didn't have the, he didn't have the weighing machine that plugs into the iPhone and gives you the wave. you seen that? <laughs> I haven't seen that. Yeah, you can plug a, a scales into your iPhone, I think. It's like Bluetooth, your scales to... Bluetooth is scales and you can... Basically, I think use your iPhone as scales. So it's like, like, it's like the bathroom scales that automatically log. Yeah, weight. something like that. You put your food on this thing and then level. it's, yeah. That's next level. Yeah, yeah. That's rough. That's next level. <laughs> I remember this, I had this guy, this mentor once, and he once told me that like, you either got enough time to make your own food or you got enough money to... No, no. What he, what, what he said... <laughs> what he said <laughs> I think I know that same There's two this types of people in this world. You either have more money than time or time than money. It's actually in what chapter four of my book. Time than money or money than, money than time. So you've got to make choices. And the choice is you're either going to accept the fact that you've got to prepare all your food or you're going to accept the fact that you're going to have to pay someone else to prepare the food for you. And that's irrespective of how much money you, or time that you have. You just have to choose which camp that you're in. And if you identify and say, I'd rather pay someone to do this preparation for me then that's the cost of getting in shape otherwise the cost is you take the time and you prepare all the food yourself because there's no real way out of it really you got to make a choice which i think for the busy for the busy professionals is generally a route that a lot of them will go down it'll be that either they're between eating out in you know their, their business or their appointments or social aspects and then you need to look after those other meals and it's generally going to be they're too busy to cook so we need to look at meal prep companies and that can be really an ideal way to go and especially if there are meal prep companies out there now where you, know, you can completely customize it so if you can look after two out of three of their meals by completely customizing let's say their macros yes they don't have to weigh it you're basically doing it for them and then you can account for whatever they're eating out it really it's going to take a lot of stress off them it's going to take a lot of pressure off them and it's going to make things a lot easier because one they don't have a choice they're just going to pull the meal out of the fridge and then two they don't have to worry about you know, making time to actually cook the food so i know you're quite a macros man if you're getting someone ready for a comp prep you 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 hit macros but then with these type of clients how do you adjust your kind of approach for me it's something i can easily switch on and off i'm that kind of guy where i don't always have to use macros it's one of those things where it's okay where are you going what are you eating this week okay it'll be literally on your rest time i'll pull up the menu and go okay now i've texted you everything you can eat off that menu just eat that and i find it's not a lot of the time is once you get over the food thing it's more then you need to encounter the alcohol thing it's like okay now we need to talk about the four glasses of wine that you're having on top <laughs> of your meal twice a day every day and then it accounts to you know three three thousand calories an extra a week or whatever it is 
So do you find alcohol a bigger offender with the clients you're working with? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think alcohol because it becomes it's. I feel like in in in, in Australian culture, it's such a social thing that social lubricant. Yeah, yeah. Not that, but so you get people like I just people think I'm rude if I don't drink, and it's like that's an issue in itself. Like you're saying rude because you want to actually look after yourself and you don't want to feel that way. So I think that's probably a bigger bigger thing to, to help people get over than the food. Food, I think I feel like food can be pretty easy once you give some education and go through and then look at menus and go, hey, look, we've heard out. This is a protein source. This is a carb source. This is a fat source. Bang, done. This is exactly- Do you, uh, do you recommend al- alcohols that are low caloric compared to or you don't even bother? You just, that's just tidy up the drinking. I think there's, I think it's, it becomes a bit of a trial and error. We're like, okay, let's trial. Depends on the person. Yeah, let's trial some low calorie thing. But again, it's one of those things where one drink leads to two, two leads to three, three leads to four. How many people really stop at one? You look and go, okay, oh, but this has only got 75 calories. Like, yeah, but you had six. Yes. And the other thing is your decision-making ability when you're intoxicated goes way down. It's like, let's get kebabs. Correct. Great idea. Let's get kebabs. Exactly. Where normally you'd be like, nah, I don't really want that greasy stuff in my diet. But decision-making ability at 12 o'clock at night and being 12 o'clock at late night, obviously, again, then you're much more likely to overeat, eat more than you should, eat the wrong foods. Have poor sleep poor sleep and the rest and the rest i don't know if you guys have aura ring but when you wear the when i have my aura ring if i have a couple of drinks and measure my sleep with alcohol versus with alcohol there is a day and night difference between my restorative sleep if i'm drinking if i had a even a glass of wine before i went to bed say with dinner versus if i did not drink the differences in sleep quality is substantial it's not small differences and my resting heart rate when I sleep, usually sits around that 45 to 50. 50 would be at that high beats per minute. The heart rate variability around that 60, 70 on a really exceptional night would be like high 70s, almost 80. But then with alcohol, tanks like 50, 20, anywhere from 20 to 50. Like yours, you want to go? Right? <laughs> and, then, and then resting heart rate could be anywhere from 55 to 60 beats per minute, which I remember learning from Jim Laval, who's one of the pioneers of functional medicine. He would say that. If your resting heart rate, you take your average resting heart rate, right? So let's say my average resting heart rate every night is, I'm just gonna use a round number. Let's say it's 50, right? If you're 10% more, that is showing at signs that you haven't fully recovered and that if you are gonna train that day, maybe even take a rest or let the autonomic nervous system recover because you're not gonna be able to perform at your highest level. Say if my, in that case, my heart rate was at 55. If I have a couple of drinks before I go to bed, then that automatically and almost instantly affects heart rate and my ability to recover for that next workout so you can see how these things compound but then taking it back to the everyday folk well obviously not everyone just lives around training like us but taking it back to the everyday folk james you were saying about this example where you had this guy what other some other stuff that you did with so i think the biggest thing was just bringing awareness to him around what he was eating right rather than having the sides with the additional butter and all these other really calorically dense things added it's bringing that awareness to hey this is what this meal has in it how can we make a better choice i still want the biggest thing is we don't want to take the enjoyment away right because if you don't enjoy your food then you're not going to stick it out for a very long period of time so it's a case of going okay what would you normally choose how can we maybe make some adjustments to that meal so that you still enjoy it but we're able to manage the calories that you're taking in a lot more effectively so what that might look like is using one of Mark's great examples, ordering the sauces on the side. That's a great start because sometimes you get a steak and it might be doused in sauce and all of a sudden there's maybe two, 300 additional calories that you've, already, you've just consumed. And 
truth be told, if you have the sauce on the side, you might have a little bit, but the chance of you eating the whole amount of the sauce is probably a lot less likely, right? So it's a very minor change, but it can make a big difference over, let's say the average of a week's period if it's an individual who's gonna go out to get a lot of their meals. Um, this guy lost 25 kilos. Surely the only advice wasn't order, order your steak without sauce. Nah, definitely not. I think, look, he was, he did like a glass of wine. So rather than it be a glass of wine every single day, we changed it to, okay, maybe let's have a glass of wine a couple of days a week. So how did he sit with that? Was he like, oh, I like my glass of wine or was he open to it? Did he accept the change? Because some people watching this be like, I really got to have my glass of wine. Yeah, for sure. I think you're always going to get resistance, right? And I think this is where trying to work on shorter timeframes can be really effective for those types of people to get some buy-in. So if you can make really good progress over a two, three week period, which in their eyes is a short time frame, and you can start getting them to see that progress, you start to create buy-in. So they see the changes that those little adjustments are starting to make in their day-to-day -day in terms of they're starting to achieve their weight loss so, goals. So if I get it right, you gave him like maybe an alcohol budget of maybe three times a week. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And then he cut it down. He started to see results. Like, this stuff works. Let's bring it down to two days a week, then maybe one day a week. Yeah. Because we started to get results, success breeds more success, and he was happy to do more things. Yeah, that's it. And I think if I go to another example of our good friend, Greg. So Greg was having maybe a beer every night with his meals. And exactly like the example you've just given, it started to become less and less and less. And now he's at a point where he's so invested in his health and wellness that he doesn't even feel the need to have a drink anymore because he's actually eating good quality foods. He's training regularly, he's feeling really good. He's getting really good benefits in terms of just his ability to focus and get more done for his business as well. Um, and I think that compounds and- Did he sleep improve as well? Yeah, 100%. But that's um, it that's it as well right you just you need that small little buy-in and it's not only for the, the physical and the visual changes but you want that you get those physiological changes and go hey i feel great and then they have a drink and go oh i feel rubbish and it's like, if you can get them to abstain maybe for like a week or two so they benefit from those changes and then go have a drink and they go oh i feel like absolute crap so that's how you used to feel like every single day so i suppose the take-home message is you don't know how bad you actually feel now for a lot of folks and then you take your foot off the gasoline and you're like, oh, wait a minute, I've been on fire this whole time. You just haven't realized you've been on fire. You put out the fire, you start feeling really good. And then you're like, well, I don't want to douse myself in gasoline again and set myself on fire because actually that felt like crap. But I actually got normal. It, I normalized feeling like crap. And I think that's what a lot of people do. Isn't I, it? I, think it's, I think it's the thing from common and normal. It's how you're feeling is not normal. It's just common because there's so many people that do what you do. Mm. So it's not, you shouldn't feel that way. It's not, that's not, people just, you know, people think, whatever but yes, you, you shouldn't should. feel that way it's just so many people around you feel the same because you'll do the same thing that's become a common you shouldn't need six cups of coffee and a bottle of red wine to fall asleep six cups of coffee to get up and a bottle of wine to get up uh, get to fall asleep this is my uh jock i had a jocko go today and i had one small espresso okay two is that all? Two. That's it, man. That's my cap. Two. I'm on, yeah. 95 milligrams in the Jocko Go and what is it? 65 milligrams of caffeine. So we're at about... I just told um, myself I'm a fast metabolizer of caffeine. I'm running way more caffeine than yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> but I, like, I, just, I just like coffee. Uh, 160 yeah. milligrams is It doesn't, more doesn't help when you know, the boss puts in a coffee machine. Yeah, I like coffee too. I just don't drink as much of that. How much coffee would you run? Two or three cups a day. Singles double? or doubles? Yeah. A look. 
I do a double, then I do just double espresso, then a double ristretto, and then I'll see where I'm at from there. <laughs> so you have four. So yeah, they're all doubles. Yeah, how this, how yeah. do I get the rap about coffee in this place? And here comes James so have, just quietly drinking really 800 five milligrams. Five, five to six. Four to six. Five to six. Four to six. That was six shots. Well, if you, two of them were yeah, stronger. Exactly. No, a double espresso. Yeah, double ristretto. Double ristretto. Yeah. That's four. And then maybe. But the well, ristretto no, is stronger. Yeah. The ristretto is so weaker. No, no, it's stronger. Stronger. Huh? stronger. Nah, nah, it's 80. It's no, no, ristretto is stronger. Nah, we Googled nah, nah. it. We Googled, we looked I Googled it, up. it as well. It was five milligrams less. Listen, I'm telling you from it's my ancestral, yeah. ancestral heritage, it is stronger. <laughs> Two Italians yeah. versus an Englishman. <laughs> they're definitely right. I lose. Because I had this argument with him as well. I'm like, you're wrong. And he's like, no, I'm right. And then I Googled it and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. No wonder I feel so lit then. Yeah, so you're having like, it's about 80 milligrams of caffeine in a ristretto. Do we just start using Romu as like our poor man's Jamie to start Googling this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put it up on the screen in the podcast. Like, who's right? You can be like a ding. Yeah, totally. All right. So some take-home tips for the folks watching this and you guys can jump in, right? So busy professional. The first thing is I always like to manage their routines. When are you going to wake up? And have a set routine of when you're going to wake up each day and a set routine of when you're going to go to bed each day. If you are and managing their caffeine, managing their stimulants and also managing the way they wind down at night, I think is super important and kind of like something that a lot of people don't address. So if people struggle to wake up, what I like is for them to start the day, just go for a walk. You don't need an ice bath and do all this like crazy shit. Get out of the house, get some circulation going. Could be like five, 10 minutes, whatever. Get back in the house, have your coffee, all that kind of stuff and start your day and have a set breakfast. What I like to do with these folks is I've probably spoken to you guys about this before, but the concept of willpower points, I think a lot of folks, they try and make shit fancy. And when you try and make stuff fancy, you have to make decisions on that stuff constantly. What I like for really busy people is to set a routine that they don't have to think about. So for example, breakfast, it's going to be the same breakfast every day, every morning. If you want to be fancy with it, you can, but probably not because the concept I give is that, let's say you start with your willpower, right? Your willpower, you start each day with a hundred points. And if you take 20 points to decide what you're going to have for breakfast, then now you only have 80 points of critical decision thinking and, cap and cognitive ability for all the other stuff you've got to do. And then if you take another 20 points to decide what you're going to wear, now you know, you're at 60 points and now you've got to make decisions on important things with less points. So I try and make the food construct of their life or the food aspect of their life as simple as possible. So it's just routine. This is what you do each morning. This is the food that you eat. Whether it's eggs, whether it's a protein shake, whether it's meats, this is what you do. Let's keep it super simple. Get yourself out the door and just keep that routine formula. And then identify in the day when they can actually eat. And then also identifying, getting them to always choose the place as well is one thing that I've always done is instead of being led by, hey, where do you want to eat to someone? And the other thing a lot of people do is they think they have to eat at a different cafe every day or they try and go somewhere different all the time. For consistency, just pick two, one to two cafes that can give you exactly what you want. And if there's a cafe that doesn't give you exactly what you want, try and go find one. And if you don't, then there's always Uber Eats that can deliver you. Or there's the meal prep services, as you said, or you go on like Airtasker or find a friend, family member or do it yourself. Meal prep, where you're bringing a couple of meals with you to work. But I think the biggest thing that I see with busy professionals is sitting down and establishing a routine and set times where they do things. And as you said, that's super important is scheduling. And then if you do get people who are like doctors and stuff who work in emergency, which we get a lot of clients who are, their schedules are just all over the place. But even in that, their hours of from let's say eight till 11, they're probably not gonna eat anything. It's, they're probably gonna be run off their feet. So then they might have a protein shake as backup in their backpack and a banana that maybe in between, they might or may not, but then you factor that into their routine and then outside of that you can set up their meals 
what am I missing about it? What would well, you add to that? Sorry, I think that, uh, and the other, the next thing I would say is, and I know James implemented this, this particular client was used to seeing walking around a lot. And I think you can use that movement as a couple of ways. Okay, if you've got to take a lot of phone calls, take them on the move. Use, use those phone calls and get your steps in and just do, just little things. Just take your phone call around the block, even like that. And then you can use, you could also use that as a stress management tool because obviously these guys are high strung. A lot of shit relies on them. So using that and just taking time out and going 10 minutes, just walk around the block, take some deep breaths and then you can go back in and you know what? You'll feel like you crush it. And we're either working at like a 90 minute interval if they are working from home or something like that. Yeah, Dr. Dre beats, beats by Dre, changed my life when I got those. <laughs> take phone calls on the go. <laughs> I think to your points as well, Mark, like especially when starting out with a client, the, the more simple you can make it, the better, right? Like complexity doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get better results. I think we have what we consider our optimal, which for us being very invested in health and wellness is probably for the 1% of population, the way we approach things. But the things that we do are not necessarily very applicable to a lot of the clients that come through the door. And what I mean by that is to your example of some of our clients who work in like the emergency, like they don't have a lot of time to sit down and eat a meal and these types of things. So we have to piece it together in a way that suits their schedule and works for them. And I think that's where a lot of coaches can go wrong is they're trying to give people the perfect plan for the perfect person, but shit happens in life, right? Like it's not always gonna go exactly the way you plan it out to go. And I think with a lot of these busy professionals who are always on the move or they might even be traveling into state quite regularly and these types of things. We're looking at convenience of being able to help them to stick to some kind of structure. And like I said, it's probably gonna look very different to what our structure looks like on a daily basis, but as long as it works for them and they can do it consistently over a period of time and it helps them to get results, that's the biggest thing that we're looking for at the end of the day. What? Yeah, I think that's a good cue for Mark's baker and chef analogy they like to use. It's not mine, it's Andy Gelpin's. Oh, anyway. Well, but, Andy but anyways, but also we're listening to like, be like Bruce Lee, be like water, you have to be fluid. You have to move, flow with it. Rather than being so rigid and go like just a macro dispenser, right? You need to look at it and go, just take a step back and go, okay, what's the best of the worst choice we could have? If we have a scale and go, okay, on a scale of this menu, what's the worst thing they could eat? And what's the best thing they could eat? Okay, let's choose the best thing. What's the second best thing? And then we go, from, if you make those small choices and multiply them over the day, you're going to get better outcomes. Absolutely. One of the things that I had a guy who was in a very successful company in finance, one of the tips that I gave him from a performance perspective, because I do want to kind of get into supplements as well for these guys, how they can enhance cognition and brain function performance, because I know you love that topic. But here it is. Yes. Mm. Let's talk about it. What, going gluten-free. <laughs> Going gluten-free, he said to me that it actually really changed his level of focus and cognition, which we can talk quite a bit about. But supplement-wise, what supplements am I always go to in this case is things like acetyl-L-carnitine, alpha-GPC. Um, I do find sometimes for these type of like A-plus personalities, tyrosine too aggressive and pushes them in like, like super dopamine mode, which isn't always helpful. But then also what you find sometimes in ones who just go, 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 go all the time, it's more about how do you wind them down at night and giving them things like inositol or the magnesium night powder, I think from Designs for Health is a great product as well to help people sleep. But the inositol, I think is a big one that can help calm down. What are your ones? Pretty much, you're pretty much better off. I'm a big fan, like Alpha GPC, and if you can get in the liquid form, like Design like, Design Health used to do, that was fantastic. Yeah, um, Design Health America. Yeah, Design Health yeah. America, yeah. And so, like, when I had a stack, I would, in the morning, it would be, I'd take some Lion's Mane, some B6, some Alpha GPC, those, and then I'd just dump all that in my coffee, pretty much, and mm. 
that that's pretty much my go-to and they're like pre-training as well and it's pretty look and now i'd probably add in some theanine some theobromine so if you want to add some dark chocolate in there as well oh, delicious yeah it's delicious yeah. you actually can be, you'll be flying you'll be here in color well, theobromine is not really to make you more like what dopamine driven it's more to like stabilize the don't get that come off well the, no, that'll be the theanine theobromine actually does it. the theanine actually will stabilize the coffee mm. so the theanine is what takes that jitters off the caffeine so really like I look at it and go, so when you have theanine with the caffeine, right? If you have caffeine and it's spraying a shotgun, right? You just go everywhere, you're all jittery. You could like, who knows what you're gonna do. You got so much intention, but you're just trying to do everything once. Whereas you put a bit of theanine with it, it's like snipering that. It's like really narrows it down. I, like, feel, I feel like we should like slice our, uh, or splice our coffee beans with theanine. <laughs> <laughs> just put, just, just, just yeah, dust it over the top. Dust it over so we can all be a bit more like, really focused i think our theanine sales have gone through the roof yeah. since uh, i started promoting it yeah it's, with, it's, just with all the coaches at least i so just even yeah for sure dry scoop and theanine in the mornings yeah yeah the, with the coffee. the two things that that stand out to me from a supplement perspective is definitely theanine um why um, well i think that's why that's why my coffee and cons- <laughs> my, my coffee my caffeine consumption is high but manageable um, because of theanine. Yeah, because well, of the- Ooh, <laughs> maybe not yours. Like, you need more theanine. Yeah, yeah, um, maybe. But no, I think not even just from a caffeine perspective and being able to manage the jitters, like Tyrone said, but it also can help to calm the body down as well. So in the evening time, one thing that I like to look at is adding the theanine to the magnesium. Yeah. And also the other one I was going to mention is ashwagandha or the triganda that we have here. They're my two. What is the mechanism of, of theanine? Time. It's amino question. acid. I can't remember off the top of my head. It'd be something like that. Question. Yeah. yeah, I'm no, looking I at you. Really can't remember off the top of my mechanism head. But it is an amino acid. I think, oh, if memory serves me correctly, because obviously, you know, I've got all these supplements just running through my brain. Now. <laughs> it does induce GABA. Um, so it induces the GABA. That's as much as I can remember off the moment. So, like, it is really much known. So it's found in, it's found from matcha. So great, you find it in green tea, but obviously it's not a concentrated form. Let me just run through it all in my head at the moment. So matcha, and then you can get it from matcha powder. But it is mostly known to help as a calming agent so it does induce GABA so I would say that from top of my head because it brings induces GABA therefore it actually takes that bit of the edge off caffeine which is then quite good and I do the same thing as James I have my night powder and I put two scoops of theanine in there as well if we look at both of these two things so like theanine and ashwagandha specifically theanine helps with that calmness right and your ashwagandha helps to reduce stress so for these super busy people they're too Pretty important things to help them get better sleep and then less stress, better sleep, better body composites. Ashwagandha is the herb that increases robustness. Well, it actually, the studies are showing that people who take ashwagandha actually have a higher testosterone levels. Is it a byproduct of the reduction in cortisol? Maybe. They haven't found that yet. But there you go. You get better sleep, better stress management, and probably higher testosterone levels. Which are all mean. really important for body comp. But it's, body comp, well, it's, it's, it's important an, for motivation. Yeah. It's an adaptive, adaptive herb. Yeah. It's an adaptive herb. Yeah. Though. It brings up what's low, it brings down what's high. Yeah. It's, it really is an amazing herb. I think this is a great place to, to leave this one. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. If folks want to follow you, Tyrone, and the antics. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, coach underscore Folino, C-O-A-C-H underscore F-O-L-I-N-O. Or you can find me at Enterprise Fitness, where I'm generally just drinking coffee. And J-Mo. <laughs> Also yeah, same thing. Coffee. <laughs> also drinking <laughs> coffee. So yeah, Instagram, James Kelly PT. And then similar to Tyrone, you can find me at Enterprise Fitness on the website, melbournepersonaltrainers.com. Wow. So yeah. folks, my name is Mark Toby. I'm the owner and founder of Enterprise Fitness and the author of The Enterprise Diet. This book has literally just hit the shelves. It's been selling like hotcakes. It details our methods, systems, principles, everything 
in this book of how we get the results we do. We've trained thousands and had thousands of life-changing transformations. We've worked with people from all walks of life, from busy professionals, CEOs, over 300 first place winners in, in competitions, Commonwealth Games gold medalists, Olympians, and even a former prime minister who we train. So if you want our systems and go much deeper into the world, and my coffee rules are in here too, much deeper into the world of our nutritional approach of what we do here at Enterprise, you can check out www.enterprisediet.com. So thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and until next time, eat well, train hard, and supplement smart. You forgot to ask him to subscribe. And subscribe. Leave a review. Too many things. Just buy the book. Just buy the book. That's all, that's all we need. Just buy the book. Cut. <laughs>